Hello, and welcome to Catholic Women Lead, a podcast brought to you by Catholic Women in Business. I'm Elise Gallagher. And I'm Taryn DeLong, and we're co-presidents of Catholic Women in Business. Whether you're a working mom, a young professional, or business veteran, fitting work in between nap times and kid pickups, or discerning your next steps, Catholic Women in Business is a resource and community for you to grow professionally and spiritually alongside other women. On this podcast, we're sharing tips, advice, and inspiration from leading Catholic businesswomen to help you grow your career or business faithfully. We believe in what Pope John Paul the Great called the feminine genius, and we're here to help you tap into yours and use business to make the world a better place. Thank you for listening and enjoy the episode. Hello, Catholic Women Business community. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm Elise Crawford Gallagher. I'm the co-president and founder of Catholic Women in Business. And I have here for you today a very special interview. I have Rachel here with me. She is the communications and community outreach director for the Maryland General Assembly. And I have known Rachel for, oh my goodness, about 15 years now. We both went to uh, Mount DeSales Academy in Baltimore, Maryland for high school. We come from a very special community um, and background there. And I have followed Rachel and her career for a long time now. And she is just a wealth of wisdom. So I'm very excited to have you here tonight. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being here. Oh, thanks, Elise. I'm really excited to be here. And I love your work in Catholic Women in Business. It's a really important group for women. So thanks for having me. Of course, of course. Well, can you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners? Yes, uh, my name is Rachel Allman, and I am born and raised from Baltimore, Maryland. I went off to college at Franciscan University of Steubenville with degrees in theology and catechetics, and then I came right home because my dream was to work at my alma mater as well as Elise's alma mater, which is Mount Sales Academy and All Girls Catholic High School in Baltimore. And I did work there and served as their very first campus minister for uh, about four years at the beginning of my career. And so I, I really love to talk about women entrepreneurs and women starting up new businesses, new endeavors, new apostolates, because it really has been a part of my story for my entire mm-hmm. career. And I know that um, Elise introduced me as a communications director in the Maryland General Assembly. So I just shifted careers to now work in government and into the public square. And so I'm bringing my gifts and all of my experience working for the church to a whole new endeavor. So I'm starting up again (laughs) and uh, I'm excited to just share about what I've learned throughout my career and uh, working as a Catholic woman. Well, you have certainly inspired, I know, literally hundreds of Catholic women over the years by your leadership, which you do um, so beautifully. Would you mind talking a bit about your career over the last 10 years um, and also interweaving in there your um, vocation as a wife and a mom? I know you have three beautiful kids ranging from eight to two uh, that you also juggle. Um, So can you just take us through that experience a bit? Yeah, sure. Well, uh, part of my story is that I gave my life to the Lord when I was 13 years old Mm -hmm. and uh, just had a real commitment to my faith. 
And then shortly after at 16, I chose to give my career to the Lord. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So I knew that God had endowed me as well as every human person with unique and unrepeatable gifts. And I knew that my life was a gift and I wanted to use it entirely for him. And of course, at that time at 16 is when you're deciding where are you going to go to college? What are you going to major in? So your focus is your career at that time, right? Your focus is what is my next step into adulthood, how I'm going to ultimately uh, make money so I can move out of my parents' house, right? (laughs) And so bringing that together with my deep commitment to my faith was an interesting task as a woman, especially. I mean, there aren't necessarily as easy of career paths when it comes to women in leadership in the church. And so I uh, had my education, like I said, at Franciscan University. And really the next simple step was to teach theology, right? To go into the classroom and hopefully to inspire the next generation of students. And I did that and I loved it. The funny thing though, was that I have a really hard work ethic and I was kind of bored (laughs) with teaching. (laughs) And so um, I had a like a summer off, you know, Mm -hmm. and teachers work nine months out of the year and I had to summer off. Like, what am I going to do with my time? (laughs) Well, I guess I'll go to grad school. And so as a teacher, I knew that if I continued my education in the field of education, I would get a pay increase. And so I simply saw a flyer for Johns Hopkins School of Education and I applied and got in. <laughs> so I did not re- I forgot that you went to Hopkins. I also went I got my master's at Hopkins for oh, communications. Awesome. But yes, that's so funny. Yeah, okay, we great. Have so much in common. I know, so- I know. Yeah, it was just a really, uh, in a way, a need to fill my time Mm. and my desire to sharpen my skills, right? And to, like I said, make enough money to move out of my parents' house. It was as simple as that is why I went on and got my master's in education administration. And what I really enjoyed about my experience at Hopkins is that I actually was surrounded primarily by secular peers, right? Mm. So there was only one other um, student in my classes that worked in Catholic schools. Everyone else worked in public schools. Mm. And so that was a really, really interesting experience for someone like me who had always been educated in Catholic schools and always really been surrounded almost in a bubble, so to speak, by like-minded peers. And I really enjoyed being surrounded by people who maybe thought differently or had different aspirations than I did. Their end goal wasn't necessarily heaven like it is for us as Catholics, right? They were there for other reasons, right? Career aspirations, et cetera, which isn't a bad thing, but it's not like the fireside chats that us as Catholics always like to have is talking about how do we um, enrich our souls for the afterlife ultimately, right? Mm -hmm. And so that was a a turning point for me in uh, really recognizing that I could take that passion that I had for the Lord 
outside of necessarily those Catholic only spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And I could be uh, a peer with others that were different than me. And I could be respected by others who maybe had different viewpoints than I did. So just kind of to fast forward as I did continue on that trajectory in education, I was an assistant principal at a Catholic school. I worked in the department of Catholic schools for the archdiocese. So I really did move up on the career ladder within the Catholic Church um, uh, to be a leader um, in the education sphere. And then a very surprising instance took place where I found out about a wonderful Catholic women's leadership organization called the Given Institute. And I applied to serve as a mentor for young women in their 20s who needed women who are a little further along in their career to guide them to bring together their faith and their career in one conversation. And I applied to be a mentor and they turned around and asked me to apply to be the executive director of the organization of the nonprofit. Oh my so, goodness. Yeah. So I had been doing that for the past three and a half years, serving as the ED for a national nonprofit, which was such an incredible experience. I mean, Ultimately, I was the CFO, the CEO, the HR manager. <laughs> so it happens. In, yes, in nonprofits, yeah. and small program developer. Yeah. Yes, and um, uh, many hats, and mm -hmm. it was a really joyful experience uh, to get to meet amazing Catholic leaders all across the country. So mm -hmm. I have served the church for the past fifteen years within her walls. And yes. now I'm being called to go outside the walls. And I now work in the public square for the government in Maryland. Which I love. Rachel, it is so obvious that you are just on fire for Christ. It's not easy, as you mentioned, to be a Catholic woman navigating marriage and raising kids. We are called as women to not only be fruitful within our marriage, if we are gifted with children to raise them and nurture them, but also to um, ex express our uh, spiritual motherhood. And to me, you are such a representation of a woman who is so spiritually fruitful. You just pour into everyone that you meet. You uh, are so prolific in your work how do you keep up your energy? <laughs> how do you tap into Christ um, and allow him to pour into you so that you can pour out to others? Hmm. Well, I have been well-formed and mm. I, the older I get, and especially having my own children, I realize how important my parents and their um, intimacy as a family and all of my experiences growing up formed me into a confident woman, mm. um, but also a prayerful woman. And really their choices and sacrifices for my education as well. Mm. And the certain communities that they surrounded me with is undoubtedly why I have the energy, charisma, um, really just profound um, dedication to passing on to my children and the next generation how I was raised and with some tweaks, you know, as um, we all, you know, as civilization continues to go on, we yes. learn from our parents' mistakes as well, right? But uh, I really believe that it's because of a solid formation that I received mm. that I um, am able to live a really healthy, holy life uh, yes. now. 
Um, but really what keeps me grounded is I love um, my Magnificat. <laughs> I love uh, to have my morning and my evening prayer. And I might not always get to it every day, depending on kids' bedtimes and et cetera. But I love having that constancy of something that's right there on my bedside table to grab. I've always loved uh, my devotion to the Blessed Mother and praying the rosary. And I really love that I can share that with my daughter now. Uh, she loves praying the rosary as she's going to bed. And <laughs> it's Aww, cute as so we're sweet. like getting ready for the night. She asked me to find her rosary because hers fell under her bed covers. And, and I just thought, wow, like it's just simple things that are treasures to me. And bring peace in my life that are pretty simple that I know I got from my mother and my father and my grandmother. And uh, those are just really important to maintain my faith is um, to have those important instruments of prayer. Mm, that's beautiful. What are some of the challenges you faced managing your role as mom, professional, wife, employee, leader? Um, how has motherhood propelled you forward? And all these roles, different roles, propelled you forward in your career. Yeah, I've been thinking about that. And I have faced a lot of challenges. So I don't want um, either my resume or even my cheery attitude to make any woman listening think that this has been easy because it hasn't. I have certainly faced discrimination. I have certainly faced uh, men and women who have discounted me because I am a woman or because I am a mother. I mean, that was really, really difficult to stomach when I was working in um, the Catholic Center for the Archdiocese. And when I informed my employer that I was pregnant with our first child and my employer reacted with shock. I mean, I was married, you know? <laughs> oh but um, he very poorly reacted, um, even to the fact of um, making a odd joke that really in turn made me feel as if, well, he's not going to trust me anymore to be able to meet my deadlines. He's not going to trust me with these big projects anymore. Suddenly he's looking at me differently. And so um, I, again, going back to the confidence my parents instilled in me and just my deep relationship with the Lord, I knew I had dignity and worth, and I knew that my motherhood was a gift and not a liability. And so I very confidently soldiered on <laughs> and proved that I could meet those deadlines and I could still accomplish my work and that I did deserve a maternity leave and et cetera. So I want to say, though, that I actually believe that my motherhood has made me a better employee and a harder worker because I have created healthy work-life balance for the necessity of my family. So when I was single, you know, and I didn't have kids, uh, you know, I told you that story about being bored. And so I go to grad school. I mean, I, I was a workaholic, you know, and, and I spent far too much time possibly. Um, I mean, I was younger then, but still I spent so much time deeply rooted in work. And I do believe because of having a family, I am a healthier employee. <laughs> I do. I take the vacations. I use all those days, you know, because they are important to my relationship with my children and my husband. I take a vacation with my husband. I take the vacations with the kids. 
kids. And I really think in turn, it's made me a better employee because I really have my priorities straight, but also I come refreshed. I come with the right attitude and I am coming to work because it is bringing me joy and it's doing something for the betterment of society and for the betterment of my family, because I am providing for someone else other than myself. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. when I was working for a salary just for myself, it wasn't as meaningful. Mm-hmm. My work is actually so much more meaningful because I know that my earnings are paying for Catholic school for my kids. My earnings are paying for wonderful music lessons that my children get. And I can be really proud of that. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. I have been reading a book called um, Screaming on the Inside. And it is, um, oh my goodness, I'm going to forget the um, name of the author. I'll remember it and put it in our show notes. Um, but it's, she is a New York Times um, contributor and she does a lot of, re- she did a lot of research on the history of motherhood in the United States mm. um, and talks a lot about the motherhood penalty in the workplace, uh, which mm-hmm. you just described, which is uh, employers looking at you differently because you're either announce a pregnancy or you're trying to interview for a job and tell them that you're a mother and this false idea that mothers cannot uh, be a quote unquote good worker, which um, society defined years and years ago as a man who was able to work nine to five. Right. And obviously that's progressed to, you know, now working hours or eight to six and whatever they need be. Um, and I think the pandemic just drastically shifted that definition of what a good worker is because the um, paradigm, the system that had traditionally run the United States and, and been our structure for the workplace just totally shattered. And, right. you know, it is, um, I know that you worked from home a bit while working for Given. Um, I'd love to hear about that experience as far as how, I know you had a baby during that time and um, how you kind of balanced working from home. Um, but I'm, I, I think employers are realizing that giving women not only that flexibility, but taking off that lens of the motherhood penalty and kind of realizing mm. what a gift motherhood is, is not, not only um, the family, the mother's family, but also to the office, to the uh, company, to society and our communities that mothers are truly amazing and children are a gift. Yes. I'm going to have to read that book too. And yes, it's great. I, I will also recommend a Good Morning America interview that I saw mm. about a year ago of Reshma Saljani, if I'm yes. pronouncing that correctly. Okay. I was so, gonna, yes. I was going to bring up her book. Um, yes. her, her latest book is Pay It Up. Right. Okay. So she was famous for a TED talk years ago where ultimately she encouraged women in the typical um, feminist language of barnstorming the corner office, breaking the glass ceiling, but but beyond that, a very aggressive attack measure type um, rally cry, you know, for women to fight against men ultimately to be able to achieve success. And so I watched this interview about a year ago and 
Good Morning America, where she says that everything she said in her TED talk, that she was wrong <laughs> and why she knew she was yes. wrong because of her experience in the pandemic from working from home without access to childcare, without any type of support and her business or her employment, ultimately it broke her and so many other women all across the world, right? Because it wasn't that the women were broken, the system was broken, right? And uh, illogical <laughs> demands on any working parents, right? And, but ultimately that it falls on the woman's shoulders and it's not equal to men as well or to fathers as well of the demands of parenting. And so anyway, so I really recommend watching that um, Good Morning America interview where she you know, really goes back on her words. And even she says in the interview that we need to start mothering out loud. And I thought that mm. is so fantastic, right? Yes. We shouldn't have to hide our pregnancies. We shouldn't have to um, hide that we are mothers when we're in the workplace. It should be seen as an asset and not a liability. Mm -hmm. Yes. And um, Screaming on the Inside is by Jessica Gross. And then um, I'm sorry to correct myself, uh, Reshma's book is called Pay Up, The Future of Women at Work. Awesome. So those yeah. are two great resources. And I haven't there. read Reshma's book. I only saw that interview, but it would be an interesting uh, dive into what she learned from that experience in the pandemic. It would be interesting. Yes. Our um, co-president and managing editor, Taryn DeLong, wrote a great book review, which you can find mm -hmm. on catholicwomenandbusiness.org on our book review section. So if you are interested in learning more about that book, um, feel free to look there. Uh, but yes, this idea that uh, I think that America's waking up to that we need to uh, figure out how to make the system work for motherhood and not motherhood working for the system anymore. We can't fit motherhood inside the traditional workforce. We need to start making the workforce work for us as wife, wives and mothers that have uh, full lives. Uh, so you've gone through a lot of transitions, as you mentioned, Rachel, <laughs> during your career. Uh, what skills have you learned um, through these transitions um, that, I, that you'd like to pass on to our community? Hmm. Well, um, I certainly have learned back to that formation piece that there is... Uh, a great rest in knowing that there is objective truth and there is a right and a wrong and to really be um, solid and confident in that because it affects mm. all of our decisions and it affects our choices in the workplace. It affects those conversations with our peers and, uh, and we have to be willing to bring that with us. It's not yes. something that we check out <laughs> once yes, we go into selves. work. Yeah. Yes, that we have to bring it all with us. And, and I actually think, you know, a skill that I have acquired over time has been listening, that it is really important to listen to every person's perspectives. You know, something that always drove me crazy when working in schools were surveys, you know, constantly you, <laughs> you receive them, you fill them out, we send them out. And it would really bother me when principals wouldn't read the survey results, right? 
And you think about the parents that spent hours filling out these surveys and even there would be incentives to filling them out, like an Amazon gift card or something. Like, what a joke, you know, when the leader, when the leader wouldn't even read the survey results Jeez, or take yeah. any action as a result. And so I certainly have taken that practice with me no matter where I go. I mean, I just last week was reading the constituents survey from my delegates where I work right now. And I read every single comment box because I want to know how people feel so that I could answer their questions. And then they're going to know I actually listened, right? They're going to know that I really am trying to serve them and represent them and, um, and make some effective change, not just a talking head, <laughs> right? That this is someone who wants to make an impact and make effective change. And also to be able to answer the tough questions. That's, that's what I find to be really important is that you're never going to um, gain respect or credibility if you don't read the opposition, right? Or if you don't hear what your critics say. Um, like a good example is uh, back when I was working in schools and one of the survey results that would come in often would be that we never have fire drills in school. Hmm. And I read that and I think, oh, that mom is right. <laughs> that mom is right. Yeah. And that's, that's policy, right? There is a requirement, right? It's not just Catholic schools requirement. It's a state requirement. And she has a very, very, very good claim against us, right? But until I had read that, right, I wouldn't have necessarily remember to check the policy and remind my school administrator that, oh, we got to have a fire drill this month. I mean, it sounds like a simple, um, a simple thing, but the very small details are really, I think, what brings you the trust and the credibility of the people and the people that you serve, no matter what your business is, no matter what your constituency. And so to take notice and to listen and to actually affect change or to answer those critics uh, is really important. So wise, Rachel. One of the conversations that we have a lot in the Catholic Women in Base Business Facebook group is the idea of work-life balance. And if that is achievable or myth, or even if the phrase is correct uh, from the get-go, um, or if it should be a goal, what do you think of that phrase, work-life balance, and is it achievable? Mm -hmm. uh, I think I have work-life balance because I work hard and I play hard. So <laughs> I have a very happy it. life. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, certainly in both work and play, there are days of stress and pressure. You wouldn't be doing your job well if there wasn't, right? I, I, it would be as if you're ignoring those critics, right? Then it'd be easy breezy. Well, then you're not doing your job well, right? Mm. And so, yes, you are going to have days of intense pressure, of hard deadlines, of working more than 40 hours a week. There will be those times, but that doesn't mean that the reward isn't there. So I I never really sit and take an inventory of my work-life balance. I just notice if I my husband and I are good, my kids are happy, <laughs> you know, yeah. are we eating, you know, dinner every night, um, then I think things are fine. Um, and I also think that the self-care movement has gotten out of control and I am not a proponent of, of self-care. And I, and it's yes. hard to watch, you know, women around me and 
Um, well, it feels like another to-do list. <laughs> like, absolutely. Shoot. Okay, like, I gotta do put on my mask, and I gotta yes, and it, like it's it's like another thing to do, which um is it, it another thing to our plate was, <laughs> which could be overwhelming. Yeah, um, I completely agree. I mean, the skincare routines, the nail appointments, the the masks, etc. It's, uh, you know, skin masks. <laughs> yes, it it yes. has come to a point where it almost seems to be a requirement rather than a nice addition mm. um, to bring relaxation. And um, I find that it's overbearing. Mm. <laughs> Well, Rachel, thank you so much for being here tonight. Um, I would love to hear as um, our last question, I'd love to hear from you what advice you have to give women from our community who are maybe trying to um, find their place within the church, within their profession. They're going through some sort of transition in their lives. What do you have to say to them? Sure. I think that any type of work should be in the service of others. And so as long as the persons that you are responsible for, which of course is yourself, you know, you are responsible for your own care of your soul and your body. But also if you are um, married, if you have children, you are responsible for those persons in your care as well. And I think as long as the work is in the service of those who you are entrusted with, it is worthy. Mm. <laughs> it is very worthy of your time and your energy and your dedication. And I am concerned that uh, within Christian circles, there is a um, reversion almost to very um, siloed, roles, very mm. siloed structures. <clears throat> and I don't believe that's the case in 21st century America anymore. <laughs> um, you know, I don't have to churn the butter. I don't <laughs> have to milk the cow. <laughs> I love I it. I have subscribe and save on Amazon. Mm. You know, we have Instacart. We have ways to keep up our responsibilities that are mm. necessary while at the same time doing good in the service of others. Mm. And so I think it's all a discernment on each and every human person on how they're being called to serve. And there is nothing wrong with a uh, good, worthy work that pays well according to your skills and for you to pursue that and to be excellent at it. Yes. I think every Catholic woman, you know, we should be a pillar of excellence in our faith, in our work, in our home, in our relationships. You know, everyone should look at us and want to be like us. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much, Rachel. Those are inspiring words to end on. You can find Rachel and connect with her at Catholic Excel. That's E-X-C-E-L on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You definitely want to reach out to her and connect with her. She is, as you can tell from our interview, just definitely a pillar of leadership and beauty and example for other Catholic women. Thank you so much, Rachel, for being on Catholic Women Lead. Thanks, Elise. I really enjoyed it. God bless.
Thank you for listening to Catholic Women Lead. We hope you feel inspired in your vocation as a Catholic woman in business. If you liked this episode, please share it with a friend or colleague. And don't forget to rate and review our podcast on iTunes. You can also join us on Instagram at Catholic Women in Business or in our Facebook group, facebook.com slash group slash Catholic Women in Business. Until next time, we'll be praying for you.